With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What a finish for 3 2 from Serge Aurier! Hello and welcome to another episode of Touchline Hotspur. I'll be your host today, Sai, and today I've got a condensed cast with me, uh, but all stars nevertheless. So, Owen, how are you today, mate? I'm very, very good. I'm just getting my monster here, just waking up, just sipping, feeling a bit better now. New laptop, new shine. shine. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling brand new. We've got Ohio with us today as well. How's it going, bro? How do my boys? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I just uh I walked in on my housemate watching Gone Girl. He never watched Gone Girl before, and I was meant to be doing something else. And listen, that film's too wavy, man. I, I had to join in uh, for what I was doing for the rest of the evening. But uh, yeah, man, she's she's the greatest villain of all time that doesn't have superpowers. It just it was a reminder. She's crazy, man. But otherwise, <laughs> it's sweet. Yeah, Debo. Debo was a great villain as well. Who didn't have superpowers and. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Debo. Rest in peace, Peggy Mitchell. Indeed, indeed. Did you happen to walk out on a certain scene on that one, Ohio, or did you uh, see the whole thing out? I saw the whole thing, man. It was it oh. was very peak. I saw the whole thing. That insanity. Um. <laughs> crazy, crazy movie. But yeah, um, this week we do have a, a packed, packed episode. Uh, a lot has happened this week, and a lot is coming up in the following week. Uh, so we'll get right with the shits, I'd say. Um, coming off a 2-0 victory against our 
neighbors down the road, um, the nemesis, if you will. Uh, so Spurs 2, Arsenal 0. Never felt so good saying that, especially after all of the lead-up. Um, who wants to take us through the lineups? I'd say. I'll start with the lineup. Uh, yeah, so we went pretty much as predicted for the most part. Uh, obviously, we woke up to the news of uh, an Ndombele being unavailable, and then Party was apparently available. So there was, I, I wouldn't say I suddenly thought we were going to lose. I was slightly rocked by the news, should we say. Um, I think a, f- a fair few of us were. And then obviously there was the um, the speculation of number 12 was going to start in goal. Um, and yeah, the, it was the, 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 I was shaken to my core, should we say. Um, but, you know, thankfully that was put to rest. But the lineup itself, so obviously we had Lloris, uh, Reguillon, Dyer, uh, Odoarod and Aurier, who's been the best right back in the league this season. Uh, Sissoko and Hoybier. Um, and just for the people who are, who are non-Tottenham fans listening, yes, I said Hoybier. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Ohio. SP Air in London, by the way. Yeah. And then we had Son and Bergwijn. Son on the left this time, as well as he's been on the right a couple of times in the last few weeks. And then Lacelso playing number 10 behind Kane. Well, depending if we're playing 43 1 or 43. Uh, so yeah, that was the lineup, um, and then you know just before we get into the actual game, I think it was just nice. It was interesting to hear Jose's change of words for Ndombele before and after the game. You know, before he was very clear in saying, "quote unquote," he declared himself not fit, and everyone's eyes oh, run scared of party and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then after the game, you know, Jose changed his words to "we," that we knew he wasn't fit, or we established he wasn't fit. It was very clearly. A team thing would it would he have still kept those words if we'd lost or if party stayed on the whole time I don't know but doesn't really matter does it yeah I mean it, it it was it was definitely one of those situations where some of the pre-match news sort of shook people up a bit uh as as you mentioned that Joe Hart stuff I was I was not ready for that um so I sort of just ignored it all and when the when the lineups did come out I just took a took a bit of a glance and then went back to my day and kept that same energy pretty much um owen in terms of in terms of uh, the game itself um obviously we got quite an early goal uh, by all things all things considered um a great great fantastic strike from the debatable world class talent of hongmin sun um what did you make of that goal? Because there was a little bit of discussion. Funny enough, it was us three on the on the Discord live as well, and it did get quite animated when that goal went in. Um, so I'll keep my mouth shut for a moment. And how, how? What did you make of make of that situation? It was obviously a world class goal. It's um, coming um, a season where we have we've even speculated on previous chats in the group chat. We've even speculated on the previous pod. Um, which I believe is still your pinned tweet as well, size. So, like we um, we've had this debate, and we kind of said this is his season to prove he's world class. And as well as Man City, where he's come clutch with the early goal, he's come clutch with an early and very clinical strike for us. Like we ended up totally what four shots over the whole game. Uh, I wouldn't even call that like a 
chance. I wouldn't even call that a half chance. He just took that speculative effort, which seemingly nothing on. Like I heard um, quite a few of the Arsenal guys kind of criticising how badly they recovered. But I mean, Son's taken a shot from about 30 yards out. You might be able to question the keeper a bit, but all in all, I just think it was a world-class strike. And long may it continue for some, because if he carries on like this, we are going to have no choice but to say, you know, he he is world-class. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think where, where I was a little bit critical of Leno's footwork, uh, I, I always look at keeper's feet because... As, as, a, as a basketball man, you sort of look at the leading steps before a jump and he planted really, really early. Um, and when a ball is that far out, you sort of do expect keeper of that level to be able to move their feet a bit quicker. Uh, that's always a criticism of mine for Joe Hart. But again, not taking anything away from the strike or even saying that he should have gotten to the ball. It's just when you're analysing the game in the moment, you do notice some details if you are looking for them. Yeah, um, I think something really key with the goal as well, um, and he's he's been doing it all season, and you know it's not going to count as an assist, or I'm not going to start calling it a ghost assist or anything, but I think Reggion's overlap on the left has obviously been one of our main outlets this season, and you know just him absolutely blitzing it down the left channel is what kept, I think it was, was it holding? Yeah, holding was, was kept engaged on that side. And, you know, there's been a bit of chat about whether, Be I know Bellerin, certain man on certain channels have had a bit to say about Bellerin. Um, I felt a little bit sorry for Bellerin because obviously he was a little bit out of position in the first place, but you can see he thought to himself, he's absolutely legging it because he thinks to himself, if it goes to Region, I'm probably going to get there. You know, Tachigunas did touch on that. Um, but at the same time, like him going in that direction, Holding is going. To, holding was caught in two minds, so there was nothing really holding could do. Bellerin tried to make the best of a bad situation and just got his ankles taken away once the ball left Son's foot. So, yeah, absolute blinder of a goal. I think. I think everyone. Everyone was sort of uh, expecting that there would be a Son and Kane combination, uh, but we got two. Uh, so by 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 forty fifth minute, uh, just before the stroke of half time. We got our second goal, um, which came again on a counter attack. Um, a ball placed in an odd position for Abamyang by all intents and purposes. Um, and as as you mentioned before, Aurier has had a blinder of a season so far. And the first ball that he played out for me was was testament to that uh, great decision making, great sort of uh, ingenuity, if you will. Um, to actually get the ball out of your feet that quickly and have it so precise to start a counter is no mean feat, especially in that type of situation. Um, and then obviously Lo Celso, being the guy that came in from Endombele, showed his worth, shift the ball out. You've got Sun running at your defence, little step over, nice little reversey type ball to, to Kane, roof of the net. I mean... Finish was absolutely crazy. Like mm. obviously being on the Discord, we were a few seconds behind uh, Nigerian Dan Lewis, and obviously we heard we heard the the moan of despair. So we sat there like you know quite excited. It's like oh, <laughs> watching Endgame for the fifth time. I was waiting for Captain America to pick up Mjolnir again, but it was like <laughs> it's a, I just I couldn't when I saw the angle Kane was going to hit it from. You know when it hits the bar so hard, it takes you half a second to register it's actually gone in. Like it was yeah. 
unbelievable strike and you know we're probably going to touch on it later as to whether you know our style of play can be sustainable we to be fair we touched on it last week but just when you have two absolute killers up top you can afford to play that way do you know what I'm saying like it's we're very blessed very very blessed up top like I just actually it's, it's ridiculous how thankful I am to have two absolute shooters up top like just so clinical how many shots do we have four four shots five, five shots three on target Five shots, three on target, two goals. You know, it's it's nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, got to feel, I feel for party a bit. I'm not gonna lie, I do feel a little bit sorry for party just just because. To be honest, first half he was if he wasn't the best, he was top two hot players on the whole pitch. First half when he was there, and you know, I've what what, what did he what injury did he have? Was it a hamstring? I think it's a hamstring. The hamstring or a hip. And, you know, for being someone who's... I've had a, a grade two um, hamstring tear. When it goes, it's not fun. It's literally like you've been hit with a sniper with no red dot, like just quick turn and scope. But, you know, he... I think there's been a lot of chat about whether Party should have stayed on or should have stayed in the middle or should have gone down. If Party's going down in the middle of the pitch against a Mourinho team, they're going to keep playing. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, I don't think that would have mattered in the grand scheme of things, but... I think that little jog on when Arteta's pushed him back on, I think because that little jog on could have potentially made it worse. Because once once you know it's gone, if you run on it again and it feels worse, that could take it from a grade one and a half to a zero or one to one and a half. And yeah, so I feel I feel for him a bit there, but that's as far as my sympathy goes with with that man on the other side. Yeah, I think I, I do I do think slightly people over overstated his influence on the game. Um I didn't. I didn't see anything that suggested that he was going to have like one of those performances, like a seminal performance that sort of makes us speak about this North London derby in years to come. Like I, I never got that impression. Um, I felt like he was stable in the midfield, um, but there were still moments where I, f- I felt he was clearly off the pace. He didn't look a hundred percent. So yeah, it was a little bit weird. Weird to me to see how much was said about like him in that first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the, the game was pretty even in that first half if they had scored a chance, which I don't think any of us really feared too tough, to be to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had scored, it would have changed the game. But scoring within the first 15 minutes just literally gave us, gave us the momentum to basically be able to shut up shop for the... Yeah what ended up being the second half of us just soaking up pressure. Um, In that second half, obviously, a lot has been made about our league position um, and how sustainable our performances have been. Um, Where do you think we go from here? Do we we keep this style of play up until it doesn't work anymore? Or do we need to start making adjustments to to ensure that we don't just become quite stagnant and quite predictable. Oh, enjoying that one? Yeah, I mean, um, we'll talk about the... Uh, I don't think it's sustainable against when we play Liverpool, and we'll touch upon that a little bit later, but I think we can sustain it against all other teams in the Premier League. I think going forward, like as long as we've got Kane and Son and Co fighting fit and they're informed and they're protected in the right way. We've got no reason to really change it other than um, maybe a few tweaks in midfield here and there. Like I think when we do play these games against 
West Brom, Brighton. We could maybe look to play a more progressive midfielder than Sissoko and then have Hoybier sit just so we're not as... Because I, I personally, I don't feel that comfortable inviting pressure on. Like against Chelsea, I didn't feel that comfortable. I mean, we were all quite quiet in the Discord during the whole second half. I can't lie, I was a little bit nervous when I saw some of those low crosses going in, flashing across the box. They actually probably had more opportunities, um, Arsenal, than Chelsea did. I wouldn't call them chances, but I'd say they have more opportunities. I mean, we can... I think we can keep the style of play, but with just a few minor tweaks, just so as I say, we're not inviting as much pressure on. But I think it's, it's dependent on how the game is. That if we score first, obviously we're going to carry on playing that way. But I do think you do see a different side from us when we when we do um, have the game level or a team scores against us first. It kind of jolts us into kind of way of playing that teams aren't necessarily expecting from us so I'll be excited to see what will happen if um, we start or if we concede an early goal to Palace or something yeah for sure I, I what what tweaks what tweaks would you say you would like us to make I think obviously we've we also sort of touched on this before the season started in terms of at what cost are we willing to win um mm. At the, at the cost of maybe in a few years our, our team maybe not being in the same type of position or at what cost in the present with the style of play. Where do we sit with that? Because me, me on a personal note, I quite enjoy the departure of styles. I felt like it was a necessary evil to, to embrace, mm. uh, even though my, my, my football aesthetic is always going to be possession-based quite patient, uh, still quite pragmatic football, but with that additional flair and creativity. Um, so where do you guys sit with that? It's more, um, um, sorry, uh, it's just, it was, um, I was thinking about it then. It's, as I say, slight tweaks. Just with the midfield, just so we're not kind of, because our only main attacking pattern seems to be, we'll just kind of hit uh, Ndombele with a quite, quite long ball we'll just hope he dribbles us out of trouble water cane um we can add a string to our bow look as I, as i said before on um previous spots up we're a team blessed with very good ball carriers so we wouldn't necessarily have to have possession but at the same time we wouldn't have to always look for the long ball just to spring a counter it, it it's just finding the balance for each game i guess and then I think for me, I think we, I know Mourinho has never been a, you know, my ways play from the back. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have 30 passes, 10 yards outside our 18 yard box and then go from there to fill a gap. I know that's never been a thing and I'm not going to, not going to ask for that because we were a little bit closer to that under Poch. Not that that was a bad thing, but obviously, you know, it, it stagnated. Um, but there's been a few times where, you know, when we've been pressed high, we haven't looked very comfortable, you know, and I think against certain teams that aren't going to come at us. So we'll touch on the Palace preview, obviously, but certain teams that certain teams are going to have a, a bit more of a savvy manager that know that we're, we're going to sit back and wait for them. So it's like, right, well, we're going to double bluff you and we're going to sit back and wait for you. So I think we just, we really have to improve on like our comfortableness playing out 
Um, I think I think having Hoibi at the base, I think he's he's better at it than I thought we would be. He's a bit better on the half turn, but he's a little bit more press resistant than I thought. Obviously, and is is Mister Press Resistant. Um, but I think we we just need to improve on our composure on the ball in the final third when those games arise, uh, definitely. And then a little a little bit more. It's it's always. I mean, it's difficult breaking down a low block point blank period anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think with Lacelso coming into his zone a bit more, like he again, he was very good against. Um, who did we just play? Antwerp. Um, so yeah, hopefully if we can get a bit more incisiveness from him in and around the box, that'll that'll do us a favour in breaking down teams who are going to come at us a little bit less, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's definitely something to look at um, moving forward because I, I personally don't think it's ever sustainable to just soak up pressure. Like at some point, the bow is going to break and you're going to start leaking some goals. Um, and you need to be able to counter that by being on the front foot. Um, what's interesting is one of the talking points that has has come out of this game is um, Harry Kane and his quote unquote signature move. Um, so we've we've seen this over the course of the season. Uh, he won a penalty against uh, what team? Brighton. Brighton, yeah. So it was against Brighton where um, Adam Lallana is trying to head the ball. And Kane sort of just holds his position back first and Lallana clatters over him. Um, so we've seen Kane do this over the years um, and it's divisive to say the least. Um, it reminds me of when Mo Salah seemed to win a penalty every other week and there were people losing their shit about him being a diver and play acting and all of this shit. Where do we stand on that? Whenever, whenever our, our players sort of get attributed to these negative things, do we do we embrace it or do we sort of get on the bandwagon and start criticizing them too? Me personally, yeah. If Kane wants to go full Undertaker's brother and start choke slamming people for penalties, I don't care. Do it. You know what I mean? But on on a serious, I think do what you're allowed to do within the rules is the first thing. Um, and I have I have like tried to watch the clips a bit closer to make my own decision because a lot of people what what's really what annoys me is when people say Kane or Kane does it just to take people out. I'm like, what are you lot talking about? Like, why would he think, yeah, I'm just gonna injure this guy? Like, what do you lot think this is? It, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No one's, no one's been injured yet. Like, so. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what I will say. And I'm sure some people who listen to this might disagree with me. When you watch Kane do it, like, obviously he is looking into the guy. He has full intention of backing into them. But there's there's two things here. And I think, is this a little bit of bias grouping for me? I don't know. I think I'm trying to be as objective as possible. The difference with Kane is that by looking at them, he can at least see that they're going to, like, fall on top of him forwards. Because if he's not looking and he goes into them backwards, that's where the real danger comes in. Because falling backwards when you're, what, six feet in the air is a lot more dangerous than when you're falling forwards. Because if you're falling backwards, you don't have your arms to support you, uh, to break your fall, sorry. Whereas at least when Kane comes from the front, he's at least, he knows his body is going to break their fall basically every single time. And they yeah. also have their hands there to defend themselves. So some of you are probably going to listen to oh, what are you talking about? It's like, well, that's probably why he looks to make sure he's not, because if he backs into them from the side or from the back, that's when it gets really dangerous. Do you know what I mean? But then he is also obviously doing it to win a foul. Like, but the rules allow him to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? If you 
You can't have a problem with Kane if he's playing to the rules and getting fouls for it. Like, have a proper problem with the rule maker. And another thing is, let, let's not forget, let's not pretend Kane is the only one who does it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those things that because it's Tottenham and because it's you know the 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 he people don't want to call him the best striker in the world. Fine. People don't want to like Tottenham. Fine. People don't like us being top of the league. Fine. People don't like the way we play. Fine. It they, they has to always be something else. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I've seen clips this week. Um, I think I think his name, I think his Twitter name is at hb underscore head coach. I think that's his Twitter name. He he found a couple of videos of of defenders doing it. Do you know what I mean? Where when the ball comes in for a cross, they can feel the man go in the air. They think, right, I'm just gonna duck down and go into that channel to just put him off the header. Same thing. Like yeah. the guy just happens to be a bit lower down, you know. So. Do I understand why people don't like it? Yes. Do I think Kane should stop doing it in the way that he's doing it currently? No, because it's. I, I'm a fan of gamesmanship. I, 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 I hate when it's done to us, obviously. I don't mind diving. I don't mind, you know, people calling for a throne or a corner that isn't theirs. It's part of the game. Do you know what I mean? And it's getting us results at the end of the day. So as long as he's... I think Kane's doing it in the safest way possible. I'm not going to lie to you, so... Yeah, keep up the WWE, you know. <laughs> I mean, are you in agreement with that? I was in full agreement. I was even going to reference those same clips as well. Like, it, on that point of just people trying to make out like Carrie Kane is, is the only one that does it. I've seen it annoys me because I can't reference or remember any players that I remember doing it, but I've seen players doing it for years, years, and like, um, I said I'm not expecting like 1980s prison rules football, but I'm, I'm here for the gamesmanship as well. It, <laughs> I hadn't looked into it as uh, in depth as I heard it. I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't sure if it was safe, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if I see Lalana coming at me with his knee out, about to drill me in the back, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Precisely. I think I think that one in particular was hilarious because Lana just went 100 miles per hour yeah. into that, and it's like, what what the fuck did you expect, my guy? Like, you know, you know, he's not going to jump at the same trajectory as you. He's not going to get the same height because he's starting from a standing position. Like, it was just foolish on Lana's part. Um, as you said as well, like whenever I see one of them, I I, I just have a little bit of a giggle because I'm like, I'm more concerned that Harry Kane is going to break a rib or something like with, with the full weight of a grown man landed on top of you. Like, but as, as you, as you said, gamesmanship, I'm all for it, mate. The last, the last thing on that, something I, I don't think people were thinking this through when they said it, people were saying, ah, oh, when X, X player is in the air and Kane just um, hits them, like butt backs into them directly and doesn't go for the ball. And then people say that's a red card in rugby. I'm like, what? what okay, it's a red card in rugby. And, and so what? Like, if I slide tackle someone, if the ball is at someone's foot in football and you go for a slide tackle, studs down, it's fine. If I go for a slide tackle in rugby and, and I get the ball, it's a red card. So what are you talking about? Like, pe- people just just literally talking out their ass because they dislike us, which is fine. I'm very happy it's very interesting being so talked about and disliked when everyone likes to remind us we haven't won anything and we're not relevant. And yet here we are, prime topical conversation every single week. 
exactly that that is becoming my favorite conversation to be honest i i, I don't get why people hate us as much as they do but it is what it is i embrace it um when i spit bars in a Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wage out than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Moving on, uh, we'll probably touch on some other aspects of Arsenal just because it's fun to rub it in a little bit. Um, but we... Played Antwerp yesterday. Um, the game finished 2-0. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a... <laughs> again, these Europa League games, uh, for me, are, are quite difficult to get through. Um, so you sort of end up focusing on one aspect. Uh, the major talking point going into this game was obviously the omission of Deli Ali again. Um, he can't seem to buy a game. Even coming off a good game against Lask in the previous fixture. Um, where, where to start with this? I mean, it, it it's very, very difficult to cover and even analyse like what our levels are in the Europa League at this point because the rotations are so heavy. Um, the team always looks that little bit disjointed and we are clearly experimenting. We played with a three at the back, um, which we haven't done this season so far. Um, do you want to take us through lineups and where where, where the surprising uh, aspects were in that? Yeah, I've got the lineup here. So starting from the back, we have number 12 uh, and then we have Jaffet, Sanchez and Davies. Davies playing left centre-back and then in midfield, we had uh, Region, left wing-back. There was a bit of talk about him, just obviously he's a very high-energy individual and we just only wanted to play in the Prem, really. Uh, Lo Celso and Winks uh, and Doherty playing right wing back. There was a bit of chat saying, oh, he's getting his getting his favourite um, position, getting a start there. So we'll touch on that. And then the front three was uh, Gareth Bale, uh, Lucas Moore on the left, and then Carlos Vinicius up top. That was our lineup. What do we make of um, Doherty at this point? I, the, the timeline was going all in. Uh, people were really expecting to see something and yet again he just looks very 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 average uh, within a side that is very average the Europa League outfit that we tend to put out tends not to be anything special heavy rotations players who aren't fully sharp or even in any sort of form um, but yeah he has stood out as as quite quite yeah. a disappointing meaty signing so far um am i being harsh in saying that or are the sentiments mirrored i mean i've enjoyed let's see um Aurier playing well just off the back of him arriving and like 
I saw the lineup and obviously saw he's playing in his favourite position and I was actually holding out a bit of hope for him that he could kind of get down the right and create some overloads on that side with Gareth Bale being able to get in some dangerous positions, which, I mean, it happened a few times, but only through Doherty's positional play. I didn't remember him doing too much when he was actually on the ball. He looked like he was kind of playing it safe and keeping it simple. And then uh, in the second half, he went back to to right back and he just stayed disciplined. So, I mean, so far, I mean, I'm still giving him a bit more time because I do think there's a player there, but it's it's not been great so far. Um, I think with me and Doherty, I can't say I watched a lot of Wolves last year, but from the assist that I do remember in like, you know, the Jimenez highlight reels and stuff like that, I feel, and if there's anyone who watches Wolves a bit better than me, please feel free to at us and correct me if I'm wrong. But it did tend to feel like he he used to like have a lot more space to run onto the ball when Wolves are playing. You know, there was always that someone made a really good graphic of where people tend to deliver from. There was the Reese James zone, the Trent zone, uh, and and another two people, and he sort of used to he used to get the ball in and around the Trent zone and deliver, which would be like a bit further back. So you'd have your whole right-hand side. And then imagine the Reese James zone is sort of the... Um, he doesn't always deliver here, but just in terms of where he generally might deliver from. The Reese James side would be maybe past the 18-yard box, but to the sideline. And then the Trent area was a bit further back and maybe a bit further back at that. But that area always seemed to be free for Doherty, like that whole right-hand channel. And I think, I think it's a case of just the way we play doesn't suit Doherty's best attributes. Like, I think as a player, like, I think he's decent. And again, I don't I don't watch a lot of Ireland, so I, c- I couldn't tell you what he's like for Ireland. But I don't really hear of him having a bad game for Ireland. But I think you know if maybe maybe next week I can try and find out like his average touches for us compared to Wolves or average area of the touch, etc. But I don't know. I think maybe we're asking him to. I say asking him. Maybe the role he's got now is maybe a little. He's getting the ball. He's getting the ball to feet or trying to make stuff happen with the ball at feet a bit too much compared to the way it was at Wolves. You know, because when you've got the likes of uh, Neves and and um, and Moutinho, if the ball's on the other side, you can ghost and and they can literally turn and find you immediately. You know, Neves Neves could pass a corner flag to corner flag if he really wanted to. So I think that could potentially be a factor. You know, um, I, I don't think he's he's a bad player. Um, I think he's probably maybe 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 not as good as we thought he was but then again not of us had not a lot of us had watched him we knew he had a lot of assists we knew he's you know he's capable of delivering yeah. stuff but it's about you know is he i feel like there's he's got a lot less space to make these deliveries he's got to probably make more one twos than he than he thought he would have to um and again we we don't play a lot of three at the back i think regardless of whether you prefer three at the back as a right wing back you still have to play that over a period of time to get used to how much space you have it uh, between yourselves and other players and other players getting used to your runs and stuff. So I think those are probably probably all factors as to why it's not quite popping off for him. But again, you know, we haven't, we've only just hit December, like fair enough. He's quote unquote prem ready, but it's, I think it was, it'll still take a while to get used to, to Jose in general, to be honest. I think anyone would take a while to adjust to Definitely. Jose. I think, I think the, the point about, um, right wing backs or wing backs in general and their style of play they tend to arrive late and they tend to play a lot more interchange um at our best when we did have rose and walker as wing backs they were pretty much involved in everything going forward 
um, they'd be the outlet for counterattacks. They would be the player that sort of created the overload quite late in the phase of play. Um, and we don't have anything close to that in terms of build up and transition. Um, it is very much we look for one out ball and we look to play maybe two, maximum three passes after that in order to create some sort of goal scoring opportunity. And I, th I do think that hinders both himself and players like Bale, who subsequently has played quite a few games uh, alongside Doty on that right hand side. And they do look very, very congested. Um, we saw it throughout the first half, actually, with uh, Le Celso uh, dropping into certain pockets and trying to interplay with Gareth Bell. And it always seemed like there was just that little bit of rhythm uh, missing from both of them. Um, obviously, Le Celso ended up having quite, quite a good game. Um, but me... Me personally, I did feel like there was there was a little bit of sharpness and incision missing from his game, and he did seem a little bit more sloppy than, say, an Endombele or even even during this game, uh, Lucas Mora. Um, but yeah, the, the the first half was a bit of a, a, a nothing half, if if you will, mm -hmm. um, and then we sort of sprung to life around the fiftieth minute where we started to create a little bit more openings and things. Um, who wants to take us through the the, the eventual goal? Because that that sparked a lot of conversation and a lot of excitement. Just uh, I'll, I'll let I'll let Owen take this. I just I think we all collectively felt sorry for Bale when it didn't go in. Just <laughs> sad man. Yeah, I mean the same. Um, obviously we had to come out and be a bit more be a bit more intense. Uh, I saw Wits getting a lot of flack on the. And the TL as well. So I had to jump on and defend them a bit. And I, I wanted to just provide a little bit of rational context when it came to him because he was playing in a in a deeper role where we were building with three at the back. And obviously we lost to Antwerp last time out. So obviously, like people can only say what they can say. We uh it's only Antwerp, it's only Europa League, but one we lost, and two, we we still had Captain Cataracts in goal. So if we concede the first goal, it gets peak. And um, I don't know. I felt sorry for both him and Bale. I'll go on Bale first because um, I don't know. He's just one that's just not trusting his body at the moment. His physical still seem a bit, just seem a bit off. Um, I don't know if his body's just um, been letting him down with all of these injuries he's suffered um, over the years or he's... Um, he has fully recovered. He's just getting, going through the process of trusting his body again. One thing I always said, he always um, will have his ball striking ability. <laughs> that free kick was from, I don't know how many yards out. It looked like 35 or so. I don't want to try and exaggerate it for the sake of getting caught up in the romanticism for Bale. But my God, that keeper, I mean, he had a good game. Well he well. made <laughs> such a good save. <laughs> Huh? The keeper got two hands to it, I believe. Um, yeah, but it still it still seemed to be way too powerful for him to control it. it was ridiculous. <laughs> he just flung across, and oh my god! Like, I'll give him the assist for the goal because I mean, it was a fantastic strike. I was happy for Vinny to get his goal as well. He was, 
you touched on rhythm quite well as well, side. Like he is a bit out of rhythm as well. And um, yeah, Bale got taken off straight afterwards. So again, that could have been something to kickstart <laughs> like the the rest of his that his performance for the rest of the game, but he he didn't get that chance. Do we do we are we sort of in that position where we accept that Bale firmly for this season is going to be sort of second string player at this point? Because for me, we have too much continuity going on in the league to disrupt that for somebody like Bale. Um, when it comes to midfielders and things, you can more easily sort of shift things around and and, and address uh, opposition strengths with your uh, selection um, in, in places like midfield and defence. But up top, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because for all intents and purposes, you've got Burwine, who's finally sort of solidified himself as a starter. And then Son and Kane, who aren't getting displaced for God, Jesus, or anybody in between. So it's one of those things where I, I feel he's going to struggle to break into the Premier League squad. I think definitely. Um, I think I think I think as long as as long as we're doing well, and I think maybe maybe I'm I'm a bit protected by the fact of doing well. I'm going to continue to keep giving Bale a mix of the benefit of the doubt slash time to still get his conditioning up. Um, like you know, like you said, playing on the right hand side, a slightly different point, but like I said, playing with Doherty on the right hand side, Doherty's usual style is what we're used to. Our usual style is also not what Bale is used to. So we've got two guys who aren't used to the team system having to forge. They probably, it wouldn't shock me if when you see the the videos of Davies and Doherty and Bale, they're all darks, the Brexit boys. Do you know what I mean? Like they're all, they're all, <laughs> they're, they're all, they're all on in there as well, man. <laughs> they're all, obviously, I don't do Irish and that, but. Like they're they're all boys in it, so it wouldn't shock me if in training in like the five on fives and the, the six on six games, like Doherty and Bale are doing hello one twos and Bale is slapping it top bins. Like it wouldn't shock me, but they just, they obviously can't afford to do that. So I think that the style doesn't do either of them a favour just yet. Do I feel Bale is capable of adjusting to it? I think a lot of it is going to be the defensive work, which is going to take a lot out of you, especially when over your career, you've been Mr. Burners, you know what I mean? Like putting defenders on skates, leading the counter or pulling defenders away for a counter. And your body, your body's got to catch up on that, especially when you've been injured for a while. So, so you have, and in, in, a, in a Jose system, you have to be a defensive winger, but also be ready to pop off a clinical shot as well, which is going to, your VO2 max needs to be bonkers for that realistically. So, I think as long as we're winning, I'm going to keep continuing to give him benefit of the doubt. And just to answer your question, like, do we accept for the time being he's an upgrade in terms of second string? Yes. I think the least solid position in our team is right wing, which is is kind of a good thing, I suppose. It keeps it keeps the wingers hungry. Do you know what I mean? It keeps everyone hungry, you know, because I'm sure obviously we have certain opinions of certain man, but I'm sure I'm sure Bergwijn probably looks more and be like, you're not clear of me. Do you know what I'm saying? Let me let me show you why. Mora's probably looking at Bergwijn like, oh, I scored a hat-trick in Amsterdam. You're not clear of me. And then they'll be looking at Bale like, okay, you're a legend here, but we don't know you like that. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think it's a bit healthy that our, our right wing isn't, isn't locked down at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think most most 
big teams do have that one attacking position that is a bit rotational. Um, and they usually plug, usually pr- plug like a workhorse in there or somebody who's sort of big game player. And I think we do have that balance within the squad. We're just waiting for it to really be tested, um, which inevitably will happen in the FA Cup or later in the Europa League. Um, after after the goal, um, the bell free kick with the Vinicius rebound, we did make a lot of changes. Um, so we saw Kane and Son come onto the pitch. Um, and Dombele also came on um, around that time as well. I don't know if it was in the same... It was in the same, yeah. Three, three, yeah, it was. Same substitution. Um, and then obviously the announcers were speaking on Delhi a couple minutes later going down the tunnel after also mentioning that Winks had gone down the tunnel uh, when he was substituted. Um, to then have to backtrack and say, oh, he's actually come back out to sit back in his chair. So um, it's pretty transparent what, what, what what's going on with that. Um, I think it's dirty and disgusting, but I'm, I'm hypersensitive to that type of stuff. So um, do we feel like there's a, a way back for Delhi or is it really curtains? Because it, it's looking pretty fucking bleak, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I still have stocks in him as a player. It's interesting seeing um, some of our fans on the TL talking about Delhi as well. So it's, I mean, people who have had stocks in him have accepted he, he'll he probably have to move on, get some minutes elsewhere, and then hopefully return to his old self in in some capacity, as I say, even for it, if it's for a different team. And uh, I see the same, I see the same accounts who have been slating Delhi and his attitude and his posting on social media. Then after the Antwerp game, slating Mourinho's man management and his poor treatment of Delhi and saying he should be treating him better. So it, it's a weird one for my fans. Um, I think, unfortunately, it does look like he's done at Spurs. Um, ideally, I would like a loan deal if we can get him. Uh, if we have adequate cover for his place in the squads, like for someone to actually come in and do the role he, I guess we would ideally like him to be doing, I'd be more than happy for him to get minutes elsewhere and then hopefully have a bit of a remontada with us. However, if it's a permanent deal somewhere where he's going to flourish and be a star man, then I'd be happy for him. I think with me and Delhi, um, I... You know, obviously, I want all our players to do well, you know, no matter what I think of, like, I don't particularly rate Ben Davies, but I would much rather Ben, I would like to say Ben Davies is good. You know, I don't particularly rate number 12, I'd rather call him by his full name. But with um, with with Delhi, I think it's just, he's just not added enough to, uh, it's a difficult, because I, I can turn around and say he's not added enough to his game to fit the system, but then someone else could turn around and say, well, but that's not what, Deli Ali's about like this is what Deli Ali's about you know and you know it, it pains to say the reality of the situation I just don't think he fits the system I, I don't think his effort levels can be doubted at all I think what what I don't like about the whole Delhi situation this is nothing to do with Delhi himself I don't like the loaded comments when people say ah oh, he needs to stop focusing on trying to do the fashion and he's not committed because he's trying to be an ASOS model it's like just say what you want to say do you know what I mean? That that is that is yeah. what proper proper ticks me off when people want to say something about Ali. Like, and not gonna lie, nine times out of ten, it's people that don't know how to talk remotely tactically about football. 
They just they, they just don't have much of a personality. They think footballers aren't allowed to have a personality. Like you can you can you can say what you want about the likes of Lingard without talking about his clothing line. You know, Lingard was underperforming before some of that stuff was going on. Do you know what I mean? So we, we know we know what those people mean when they say these things, but that's that's by the by. Um, see what energy uh, Grealish gets after his little uh, his mm. little <laughs> with the bodacious one. Uh. <laughs> but I think with with Ali, I think it's tough because with Jose, even though once Jose like has frozen you out, it tends to be yeah, that's it. But certain men have made their way back in, you know. And Dombele, there's man. Listen, there's some of you that are listening. I'm not going to lie. I was searching some of your acts with Ndombele in the July time and I saw what some of you were saying. <laughs> I've seen some of your tweets now and I've, I've got screenshots. So when the season is done and Ndombele wins Young Player of the Year because he's 23 as we speak, I'll remind you. But just on top of, in, in terms of Ndombele, like, everyone thought he was done out historically an Ndombele type player, you know, Ala Pogba, should we say like that? That was it. It was either going to be Jose or the player, and because we just put Jose in, it was looking like Ndom may leave or certain players when they get frozen out on the Jose, like that's it, they're done. But it's it, it's not. I'm not saying it's a new Jose, but a slightly modified Jose has said, look, like there's a way in. You just have to perform. Ndombele has showed that. Bergwijn is beginning to show that. You know, he hasn't quite hit the level he hit when he first arrived, but he's beginning to show that. Even Luke Shaw, when he was at United, Luke Shaw was done out. Like, absolutely fit. I mean, he should have left him. And all sorts. <laughs> finished. He was finished. Like, he was not getting a game. Like, I know a couple behind the scenes thinking like Mourinho wasn't shaking his hand in the changing room. Like, Mourinho was not on Luke Shaw. And then he just played him all the time after a period of time. So, to answer the question, is there a way back in? Yes. Do I think he's going to get back in? Mostly down to his like his tactical preferences as a player I don't think so so I think I want I would love him to do well I'd love for him to get back in the England squad etc etc but I don't think it would be playing for Tottenham one of the craziest things about it is when when I when I'm watching us at the minute obviously to accommodate Berwine Sun has gone on right mm-hmm. so for me I look at it and I'm like I think that's a little bit of a piss take because with Regulon on, on the left-hand side, if you need that peripheral sort of uh, forward who is going to make runs in behind and be an outlet for Kane, who's dropping into 10 positions or playing as a force nine and doing that hybrid stuff, Delhi's a fucking fantastic outball. Like, mm. he's got he's got the height, he's got the touch, and he has the finishing ability. He's good yep. in the air. Like, there's for me, there's no reason not to... Give him an opportunity in that in that system and see where it gets us because at some point we're gonna need we're gonna need these bodies, these guys that aren't necessarily in the first team week in, week out. They're gonna be called to the line of fire um in terms of making contributions during crunch time in the season. So I'd rather us get those reps in early and 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 sort of give him those 20-minute cameos on that left hand side or play him as a 10. When we when we've got games sort of in the bag and stuff like that, otherwise we're just going to have a player there that is going to decrease in value, decrease in confidence, and ultimately is going to leave us a little bit short on real effective contributors over the course of the season. Mm. But 
again, at this point, it is a case of it's, it's, we're winning. So there's very little uh, basis to complain about those little details. But at some point, I do foresee it coming back to bite us in the bum. So. I mean, he got he got on the fifth pro eleven nominations. According to somebody, he's top fifty-five <laughs> players in the world. So what do I know? <laughs> it's amazing how those those things work. Uh, when when do they start voting for that? I couldn't flip and tell you. It's it's probably what it probably got done. Maybe you know what? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if when did Bruno come in? Bruno came in January, right? January. And then when did Delhi had that that run of Jose form? Yeah, that was probably, that was in and around the same time when Bruno was just was just beating was beating everyone by himself from range and from penalty spots. <laughs> so it wouldn't shock me if the voting was was around the same time, you know, because that's when that's when Delhi hit a bit of form under Jose and Bruno was Bruno was making people say he was the best signing since Cantona. People just say a lot of stuff, but yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me if it was around then. To be honest, yeah, mental. It, it it does it does highlight that those things don't really mean very much to be perfectly honest. Because where did Bruno get in that list, by the way? Uh, I I don't think they've done it in order. They've just said the nominations, but ah, okay. when they've done the picture, Bruno is front and center. <laughs> so oh, boy. he's alongside uh, Kane's son, Larice and Toby, huh? Which mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't make any sense in within the context of last. The last year he's not been anywhere near as vital as those other guys. I, I think even having Toby in there is a bit laughable to be perfectly a honest. Bit. I'm wondering I'll, I'll, I'll on that. with Bruno in there. Obviously, I'm now wondering how many um Europa League players are gonna be in that um in the fifth pro eleven team now. Because mm. uh, <laughs> certain man certain man up north have joined us in the midweek gulag. These lot can't get enough of us, I swear. Every every team's trying to be like us at the minutes. Without wave. not winning and, and full place fighting. I think I think that's the that's the wave in the Premier League at the minute, at least yeah. amongst the touchline supported teams. Um moving on from that, um obviously we're sort of going through a bit of a, a, a patch where there's there seems to be a bit more stability around the club in terms of uh, transfers and scouting and things of that nature. Um, we're seeing the benefits of the Mourinho pulling power, if you will. Um, but this week we have seen Trevor Birch, our director of football, who has only been at the club since... Four months. How, how long was it? Four, four months? Four months, yeah. Four months or something like that. Um, so he obviously was part of that recruitment push um at the beginning of the season it's four months in the job and he's gone off to take a role at the efl um which is pretty interesting uh reminds me of one harry redknapp uh no loyalty amongst thieves by the sound of it but in in all seriousness um how does that impact us moving forward i i think it's a bit of a strange timing and it does sort of leave the january trans transfer window in a little bit of uh a shaky scenario for me anyway um i think when you're talking about uh trevor birch and stuff because obviously a lot of i think us especially or to be honest especially me and owen we're, we're big lewis lewis campos fans just from his work at lil and the players he's brought in and, and stuff like that but i think something that got quashed quite quickly is that what lewis campos does as a director of football and what trevor birch did for us as a director of football are, are very different 
because yeah. our direct, you know, it's been, t- you know, back in the day when, I say back in the day, when everyone's asked, do you need a director of football? Do you need this? I think every director of football's job specification is different per club. So, you know, a lot of them have a lot a bigger role in recruitment, a lot of them have a bigger role in scouting. Whereas it would seem that Trevor Birch was, he had more of a of more financial responsibility. Like he, he did still have, um, what, did, what did his responsibilities include? I think him, he was brought in because from what I was reading, he has a lot of like connects in the transfer. Like he's very well respected when it comes to negotiations and stuff. Um, but primarily he, he is actually a chartered accountant. He's a money man. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, Don Levy being the shrewd man he is, he's always going to need somebody like that in them. So it was like the team, that team there, like the football operations team, from what I saw, worked alongside the recruitment team. So the recruitment team was like Jose, Steve Hitchin, Levy, and then you had the other team, which had, um, what's his name? Trevor Birch and, um, and two other people, and I've forgotten their names. But I think, touching on what you said about it potentially leaving us in a shaky situation for Jan, I don't think it will only because I think that uh, Trevor was brought in for the specific purpose of help us navigate this financial period during COVID um, based on your past work. Like, so if you, if we just quickly run through his CV, when he got, when he, so he was CEO at Chelsea when um, Abramovich bought them. And I think quite a few people thought, oh, is this where we're going to potentially sort out naming rights or, or the hashtag Enic outlaw were like thinking, oh yeah, it's our time now. So (laughs) one thing people thought, but, you know, he went into Swansea, Portsmouth, Leeds, and he basically patterned up all their finances effectively. Like, you know, I think Leeds still went down when he came through, but he basically saved them from going into um, administration before they even went down. Um, you know, he's really well respected in Swansea. I think he had to take over as chairman for about a year and a half, saved them a lot financially. He had to do some fire sales and got in a new manager. And, you know, they they were a lot better, um, a lot better off when he left. He's like... He's almost like a reverse mercenary. Like he's he's a he's a fixer with good vibes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he he goes and and everywhere he leaves, he apparently like he's got he's got a good reputation. Um, the only place it didn't quite bang for him, from what I've read, was Everton. He actually left Everton after six weeks because essentially he just didn't really think the board knew what they were doing in terms of supporting him. <laughs> You know, you don't, you don't want my help. I'm going to bounce. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, you know, we've nav- we navigated the COVID period really well, considering we were ex- we were hoping for a lot of revenue with NFL games and concerts. And you know, I know Saracens had had a couple of rugby games that were supposed to be in North London as well. So, I think effectively, Levy was like, "Look, I've got to handle a lot of other stuff. Help me pattern up the finances." And I think he probably knew that um, he wasn't going to have him in January. So I think Levy's definitely got a plan B somewhere, to be honest. Speaking of that plan B, uh, Owen, what, what do you think the likelihood of us finally seeing a Lewis Campos uh, Mourinho reunion at Tottenham Hotspur? Uh, do we think that's likely? or is it just- I think it's more hopeful than likely, um, if I'm being honest. Um, I just hope the whole Trevor Birch situation is more kind of... Trevor looking to just explore a new opportunity, explore a different slash better opportunity rather than maybe a Paul Mitchell situation where, uh, like I said, when um, Trevor Birch was at Everton, they, there wasn't uh, a kind of agreement on the ideas. So, I mean, 
Luis Campos maybe would have a different job. I think Trevor Birch's role was head of football operations rather than like a director of football that would actively seek out young talent and um, players. So it's, it's hard to tell. Um, but personally, I would like to just see Luis Campos in. I mean, purely because he can identify players who can improve our squad on, on our restricted budget. And yeah. he's got that proven track record of bringing through players like uh, Mbappe, and it, like he helped re- like revolutionise that really good hipster Monaco team where they had people like Bakayoko and Fabinho in midfield, Mendy, and uh, Sidibe, who were uh, the flying fullbacks. I think he may have even signed Bernardo Silva. He did, he did, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thomas Lamar who I'd wanted for ages before whatever happens to him under Simeone. So, yeah, I mean, if he can bring through players like that for us, if he was to ever join, then I'm all for it. Yeah, totally. I think I think it will be interesting to keep keep up to date with that one, um, just because it could, it could give us a bit of an indication into what the long-term plan is going to be. Um, obviously, we, we seem to be in a good position at the minute where on field and off field, everything seems to still be taken over despite the sort of situation in wider world. Um, and we are weathering the storm up until this point. So long may that continue, but it will be exciting to see if that means that an opening becomes available for a more traditional uh, director of football who does have a bit more of a hand in transfers and things of that nature. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Looking forward. Uh, so this week we've we've got two games. Uh, we've got Palace at the weekend, or in a couple of days, should say, and Liverpool on Wednesday. Um, so we'll get into predictions for that. Obviously, Palace are in are in decent form at the minute. Uh, they're fresh off a five-one victory. Um, I think they're threats are pretty much pretty much self-explanatory. They've got Zahar and Eze. Um, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong because no, yeah, I think you got it right. On the money, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw a video of him when he signed, uh, going through how to pronounce his name because people were calling him Easy, 
Um, but yeah, Eze is, is looking like a hell of a talent, man. That, that kid can ball um, in tight spaces. He's very, very technically gifted. Um, and he has a hell of a lot more vision than Zaha does. So um, he's obviously going to be a threat. But do we, do, we, do we go into that game with that utmost confidence of we're Tottenham Hotspur, they're Crystal Palace, we're decent against them more often than not anyway? Um, <laughs> um, a higher type of vibe or, or do, we, do we take caution? I think I think respect rather than caution is the right word. I think, you know, I I I've been a big Zaha fan for a long time, you know, before he went to United. Obviously didn't work out at United, pulled himself back at Cardiff, but look, I've been a huge Zaha fan for a while and I I wanted Eze at, at Spurs, but I always kind of knew Jose was never gonna sign him anyway. I think we just we have to be wary. I think it's it's gonna probably be I think Zaha will be a really good warm-up for Mane, for Aurier. Do you know what I mean? I think those I think those are probably going to be his two biggest tests back-to-back because, you know, n- not that v- not that Werner's not a good player, but obviously mm-hmm. Werner's not necessarily a left winger and didn't really go at Aurier much, slash there is the Sissoko protection on the inside channel. So I think Zaha is going to be the most interesting threat. It, will be, it wouldn't surprise you if Andres Townsend plays. You know, he's, he's obviously... He just, he's always going to want to have a point to prove... Which is fair enough. Is the game at home or is it away? It's away. Okay. So it'll be Andrew Townsend or Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, so yeah, I think my, the thing is, I, I, I don't, I think it's going to be, I think we might get a little bit more of the ball than we have usually. You know, I think the likes of Zaha and Eze, they're probably going to want to try and play on the break a little bit as well because we are so defensively solid. So they might actually try and um, try and invite on a bit of pressure because Townsend, even though, how old is Townsend now? 30, 29, 30. Close to thirty, I think. Like he's he's still got burners as well. Do you know what I mean? So I think we need to, I think we need to be respectfully wary of them. But at the end of the day, if we're if we're trying to ascend to, if we're kind of if we're trying to complete the GPS, basically, if we're trying to complete the the glory, you know, the uh, <laughs> you know the vibes, <laughs> progression, success, and glory. If we're trying to if we're trying to complete the GPS, then like we we have to go to places like Selhurst Park and and dust them effectively. You know, we can't we can't be doing a West Brom and, and letting Benteke score two goals like do you know what I mean? Um because the last game at Palace was awful. Stress. Oh, it was, Stress. It was awful. You know, it was so bad to watch and it was it was giving me heart palpitations. But we got the job done. So hopefully the players sort of remember how like how good it felt to qualify for Europe in that game, even though it gave us that like, three, four extra games. And they just sort of realised you can't, don't piss, don't piss about with Palace basically, because they do have two very, very talented players. And, you know, Milivojevic, he's not a scrub. Is he, is he fit? Is he playing? Milivojevic, did he play last game? Yes, he did. Milivojevic is not a scrub. Um, just go at Gary, just go at Gary Cahill, to be honest. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Gary Cahill. <laughs> Owen, how, how do you feel we approach this game from a tactical standpoint? Do we come out of our shells a little bit or are we going to take their threats serious enough to play quiet, sensibly, I will say? Yeah, I mean, um, we are going to have to be respectful. I mean, I've been to a few games at Selhurst Park and I think in the last three years, or the last three times we've played at Selhurst Park, we've not scored more than one goal. 
So it's going to be a very tight one. They've got the small pitch. They're going to invite us onto them. So I think by nature of the game and Hodgson's play style, we are just going to have more of the ball. Um, I guess we are just going to have to rely on the, the basic attacking patterns that we do have and just try and feed it into Kane and see if he can work it in to anyone else or work an opportunity for himself while, while being disciplined at the back. Obviously, I think we're going to still be disciplined with the pivots and just keep them back as far as possible, whoever plays, and then we'll just try and exploit the width with Regulon and Aurier, hopefully pushing back Zaha and Eze or Townsend, whoever plays on the opposite flank to Zaha and make them do a bit of the defensive work because apart from Zaha, actually, I don't think anyone has that license to not do the defensive duties. So if we can exploit the flanks and work it into Kane while being disciplined in uh, in central areas, then I think it'll probably be another 1-0. Which I'll take. To be fair, that's... that's, that's probably a sensible uh, shout to be fair um, yeah I, I, I work with a Palace guy and he he doesn't seem confident at all given what type of form we're on um, but at the same time these these games for me are more telling than the big games I think we always we always sort of all get up for, for the big games players alike um, and I think it sort of creates a little bit of a of a facade over what the actual perception of the team is. I think there's there's only six teams at the top of the Premier League at the end of the day. So you don't no one ever wins a league just winning their head to heads. That that that's not how you win it. Um it is about going away from home, uh playing these smaller teams, these teams that don't really have anything to lose, and really just bludgeoning them. Um that's pretty much what you have to do. And when you can't, you take the tough with the smooth and you just make sure that you get over the line with a result. So um, with Liverpool coming up, I do think it's going to be a bit of a, a drab affair. And I do think we are going to be a bit more cautious just to make sure that we get over the line without any injuries, with everything intact. Um, so we can really push in that Liverpool game to, to basically put a little bit of a dent in their aspirations while further in ours. Um, so yeah, a 1-0 or a 2-1, something like that. I can't imagine us keeping another clean sheet, to be honest. But I mean, they've scored, Palace have scored seven more goals than Arsenal, so we have to just wake up a bit more, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. And I'm sure they've scored a hell of a lot more from open play as well. So That's straight facts. Was that, did Benteke score the same in one match as a Bamiang has all year, or did I make that up? No, I think um, you're on the money, mate. I think that's pretty spot on. Well, I'm still, I'm still shouting down the well for Bamiang as well. I'm like, yo, Pierre, I'm getting a little, <laughs> I'm getting a little echo, but I'm not getting any any performances back. It's weird. <laughs> May he continue to suffer. One hundred percent with the bag as well. Mm-hmm. Might, he might get a um another fluorescent car out of this one or a chrome car or whatever. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> going, going into the Liverpool game, um, obviously selection is going to be quite 
quite interesting over the course of these two games with so with them being in such close proximity we're not going to see Europa League level rotations by any stretch of the imagination um are we going to are we going to look to put Endombele on the pitch against both teams or do you feel like this is a good opening for Lo Celso to uh, reprise his role that he did against Antwerp against Palace I think I think Lo Celso should have the opportunity to carry on the good form um you know we don't want to rush Ndombele back at, in, in any way shape or form you know if he's if he's feeling a niggle even if he's at 95 percent wait until he's 100 percent at Liverpool you know um, but just you know, to talk more about Lascelles, I think he was he was good against Arsenal. You know, defense like if we're talking defensively, you know, we touched on the differing views on party, and even though the party was you know 40, 50 percent max, I think I said it on the Discord. Lascelles was very good at shutting off those half channels um, into to where the ball would come into into party's area for him not to receive the ball. And I noticed. He was interchanging quite well with um, with Son when it came to marking certain players as well. So he obviously played well there, played pretty well against Antwerp. I think it's I think it's only fair he gets a chance to continue that form if he's if he's fit enough. Um, and I think with I would rather if that happens, then I'd rather start in Dombele against Liverpool. One for the conditioning, two because I think we need to obviously be very very. I think we're going to defend a lot. Like I know we defend a lot anyway. But looking at Jose's record at, at Anfield, we're going to be defending a lot. So, uh, you know, just saying it out loud with not a lot of context, Jose has only lost once at Anfield in six years. So he lost 3-1 in his last game at United. And then he's it was in reverse order. 2017 draw, 16 draw, 15 draw, 2014 win. But obviously, the two of the draws were a 0-0. One of them was a 1-1. And then the win was a 2-1. Um so I, I wouldn't surprise me if someone like Lamella, if he's fit, comes back to play against Liverpool. So Lamella does like Anfield. Something always happens yeah. with Lamella at Anfield. It's not a penalty. Something happens if Lamella plays at Anfield. And I think if you've got somebody who, for all for all um, Lamella's you know good uh, characteristics in terms of carrying intensity. Um, hassling the ball, winning tactical, winning fouls and making tactical fouls. I do think you need a little bit more ball retention in the midfield. That, to be fair, what's, what's the midfield going to be? It'll be Henderson. What with, with the injuries currently? It'll be Henderson, Vinaldum, and Naby Keita. Who played midfield for them the other day? I think it was Naby Keita, but I'm not sure if he got injured or not. Let Jones might play. So I think just in that high energy midfield, I think it would be good to have Ndombele just being able to be there and relieving pressure. Um, just because you know Liverpool they did Klopp loves a gig and press at the end of the day. So I think it'll be important if uh, if Tong is proper fresh for Anfield because it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a scrappy, scrappy defensive job, and we just need at least one person who just doesn't you know, flatline when the ball comes to them and can actually turn because Sissoko is not going to do it. Paul Bia is obviously going to be chopping anything that comes anywhere near him. So we need someone with a bit of calm and, you know, not just rely on Kane for those quarterback passes when he comes deep, just in case Song gets free. Because, you know, if, is I think is Trent, Trent back now? Like Trent might yeah, he is. Back. So on one hand, Trent is back. So he needs to be very careful in, in terms of his delivery. 
on the other side, not the best defender in the league. So I think I think Son, he's Son can leave have that a channel open at mm-hmm. some point. I think Son can have a proper go at that right-hand channel. But at the same time, I feel like I'm taking the whole match analysis here. Sorry, boys. At the same time, um, you know, I think just this kind of was leading into the point I wanted to allude, allude to about our squad depth and their squad depth and what quality of depth means. I think, you know, you have to give a big hand to Fabinho and Matip for, for, for filling in at centre-back in the absence of, of Van Dijk. I think they've been quality. You know, that Liverpool have been slowly plodding along, slapping teams, keeping clean sheets here and there. And yeah, man, I think I think Fabinho in that that, that channel there will be Son's bigger bigger obstacle, should we say? I quite I quite like Matip, to be honest. Um he, he gets a lot of bad press for some reason, like as if he's some massive, massive drop off, but to be perfectly honest, every time I've ever seen him, he's he's looked more than proficient centre back I think when when you do have someone like Virgil in in a side I think the perception of like the levels between players gets a little bit skewed it's the same with like Harry Kane and maybe a, a Vinicius Vinicius for for all we know could be like a very very stable Premier League level striker but we have Harry Kane who in 18 games has 14 goals and 13 assists and is doing Messi-esque things in that regard in terms of the numbers he's putting up. Um, so yeah, in terms of quality and, and and depth between the two sides, I do think Liverpool edge it. But obviously with, with the moves that we did make at the top of the year, I am a lot more confident in us uh, to be able to make minor adjustments to address some of the personnel changes without there being some massive drop-off in quality for us. Um, Mainly, mainly, if Lo Celso does get the nod in that game, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, who's to say they can't start both, right? <laughs> Dombele and Lo Celso in that game. I mean, what I've been very impressed with Lo Celso as well, um, see his ability to cover ground has been touched upon. And I think that could even be the game where we could go again with Huibier and Dombele and, and Lo Celso all in the field together. I mean, I think Lo Celso would operate a bit deeper. But with Liverpool's press being absolutely drilled to a tee, their attacking patterns against deep blocks now drilled to a tee. I mean, they were so impressive against Wolves, who I imagine were going to set up in a in a similar way because um, they kind of operated with the, the four at the back, deeper block, to hit him on the counter. So if we can kind of work it to someone like Tangi, like the Celso, in those deeper areas, and we could, we didn't necessarily need to work on trying to play out of a press because we do have these excellent ball carriers that can consistently beat men and commit two plus players in deep positions and set us away for for really good and promising breaks. So. Have I uh, muted myself? I think you did momentarily, but you're good. I'm good. Um, where did I stop? Sorry, chaps. You were talking about having players who have the ability to draw two, three man when they're um, carrying the ball and why you think Tongi and, and Dombele could play together. Yeah, so um, as I, said, I think the Celso will operate a bit, would operate a bit deeper in that uh, 
hypothetical situation and a dream midfield for me like I think it would be quite unlikely to happen but I accept that Liverpool are probably quite significantly better than us even with their injuries at the minute I think we'll be vulnerable playing deep and inviting pressure on just because they are so good in their press and they're so good in their attacks against deep blocks so I mean um yeah, even if we were pressed, we wouldn't need to necessarily play out or coach the play out. If we managed to progress the ball to someone like the Celso or Ndombele and we could commit those players, where Ndombele and the Celso are more than capable of beating those players and we can get set away for for quite opportuni- uh, opportunistic counter-attacks. Um, what killers are yeah. It's, it's doable. We need we need two chances and we'll score one. So it mm. is doable. Pretty much. I, I definitely I definitely think we'll score against them. Um it it's it's gonna be interesting. I, I wanna say that we'll probably play for the draw. Um very similar type of uh approach to the Chelsea game in terms of take a draw. Just looking to sort of stifle them a bit. Um and yeah, I I, I don't think any of us would turn our noses I'll be perfectly honest like at this moment in time we just have to make sure that we're not losing games um, because that could really really start to cascade on top of us and start to make make everyone a little bit antsy Um, we won't really do score predictions for that game because I'm I'm not I'm not willing to put my giraffe neck out Um, I've, I've got my neck quite covered today as well so we're not going to do that. <laughs> Unless you guys are brave. I'm, I'm not that brave. I think Palace, Palace, I'm going to go for 2-0. 2-0 win at Palace. 2-0 win. And then, listen, man, if, if you want to if you want to win the league, you've got to do league winning thing. <laughs> so I want, I want to go 2-1 to us at Anfield. Last minute, Lamella shithousery for, for a VAR pen that shouldn't be. And then Kane doing what Kane does best from the penalty spot. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, predictions. I'll pick an unassuming 1-0 win against Palace. Like, I think we'll struggle. We might just score a scrappy goal to win it. Against Liverpool, to be honest, I'll take a draw. Uh, I'm going to say 2-2 draw. No shame. No shame taking the draw away at Anfield, to be honest. I mean, haven't lost to Anfield in three years, so, you know. <laughs> right, fuck it, I'm going for the win, 3-2. <laughs> So for me, for, uh, all right. So for for Palace, I, I'd say a one nil. Um, I think we're going to be quite cautious. Um, Liverpool, funny enough, I, I I think it's going to be a nil nil. I think it's just going to be a bore bore draw. Um, History dictates. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it really, really underwhelming, and everyone bitching and moaning about how shit the game was, but. Both both teams need to basically just keep up momentum. So where there's where there's a mitigation of risk, I think they'll take it. To be perfectly honest, um, that's that's pretty much all of all of the sort of analysis and previews. Um, we did have a few listener questions. Um, you guys usually get in your bag for these, so I'll let I'll let you guys read out and I'll. We've got, we've got a few. Um... We've got so some people asked too, which is fair. I think there's one overarching question, which is a bit of a combination. So I'll just I'll say the questions, but we kind of can answer them all at the same time because we've touched on them a little bit. So 
at Chukwu asked, is it best for all parties for Delhi to leave in Jan? J Spurs 3 said, are Delhi and Winks, Delhi and Winks done out here? And then um, at THFC, no, is that a different question? No, that's a different question. So effectively, Delhi and Winks, what do we do? In Delhi um, said earlier, I, I would like him to get minutes, whether it be elsewhere at Tottenham, it looks like that would be the case. Whether it would be a loan, who knows? If it's a loan, then he's not done out here. If it's a permanent, then yeah, it, it just doesn't look good for Delhi. For Winks, for Winks, for Winks, for Winks. I, I love him. Um, I think he still has a place in the squad. Again, against Antwerp, him going down the tunnel didn't look great. I didn't know. I can't remember what Mourinho said to sugarcoat the situation. I wasn't sure if he told Delhi to go have a shower or Winks, but either way, it, it didn't look great because I thought he, he put in a solid performance against Antwerp. Played well against Luda Goretz as well, so... I'm not saying I wouldn't say Winks would have to start most games, but he still has a place in the squad for me. Yeah, same same here. I think I think the ideal scenario for Harry Winks is to be a rotation option and get good good minutes in cup games and and have like cameos over the course of the season or even even an odd start um, against lesser opposition. I think he's a tidy player. Um, and I think he does a lot on a defensive end that gets overlooked. I think his positioning is is more than sufficient to play that deep line playmaker role slash holding midfielder. Um, I just think he gets bad press because he's not progressive with the ball. And I don't think we need him to be. Um, it's no coincidence that he tends to play in the games where we have more possession and where we are controlling and dictating the tempo of the game a little bit more with the ball. Um, so his his place in the squad for me is solidified. Um, getting an upgrade for him is going to cost more money than I think we're willing to invest on a potential squad option. So I think people just have to temper their expectations for him and accept that that is the type of player he is at the moment and he might change his role at some point down the line. Um, but yeah, I would, I would keep... I'd keep him and Fideli, I would like him to get a loan move if it really is the end of the line in terms of this season for him. Um, but as I mentioned before, I think I think he needs to be given opportunities within within the framework of what we're doing um, because I do think he can contribute. That's one. I'm going to try and blend two questions in here again as there is, there is some relevance between them. So at Chaku's second question was... We looked toothless in the first half. Does Mourinho bringing on Kane, Son and Ndombele show he still doesn't trust the second team to see up games? And then tying into that, um, at THFC, AJ underscore says, do you think Mourinho's overdoing it a bit, given Delhi and Winks bum minutes? And is that unfair? It was interesting, the timing of the sub, because he literally told... Kane, Son and Ndombele to essentially strip off as we scored. So, yeah, I mean, it's just to me, he, on one side, he wants to keep their momentum going into into further games too. Yeah, he doesn't trust the team because of the previous results we have had in the Europa League, where we have lost to Antwerp, we drew to Lask. We, we had to chase that game, let alone try and see it out. So, 
Um, what was the second question again? Sorry. Second one um, is is Mourinho overdoing it a bit, um, giving bum minutes to Dele and Winks? And is it? It's, it's hard to tell because we don't know really what goes on behind the scenes. But I felt like Delhi and Winks both deserved to start against Lask um, over Antwerp, if anything. So, yeah, I mean, I could say it's a bit harsh on both, to be honest. But, I mean, it, it, as I mentioned earlier, it's hard to criticise that kind of man management when it's been working so far. Like, we've seen see players like uh, Ndombele, Aurier, Bergwijn turn it round after getting perceived to be harshly treated. So, yeah, it, it's a bit hard to tell. But if I was to lean one way or the other, I'd say, yeah, it is a tad harsh. I'm definitely in the, in the school that it is, it is harsh. Um, he leaned on both of those guys heavily at points last season. Um, so for that perception shift to be so drastic is, to me, quite... It's, it's, it's immediately going to give off a negative negative impression um, to say that they've fallen that far down the pecking order in a matter of months. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do think both of them need to be given their opportunities to, to shine, um, and I would hate to see both of them leave. Um, in terms of the attackers, I think we're one injury away from, <laughs> from catastrophe, um, as always, to be perfectly honest, because none of those players have really shown that they've built any continuity. So taking them off in games where they could potentially build up to a point where we wouldn't lean so heavily on Harry Kane and Son, um, I think it's a little bit irresponsible. Um, it hasn't turned out to be detrimental yet. I hope it never does. But yeah, it does worry me quite, quite, quite a fair bit. So I hope he stops doing that. All right. And then the last two questions, I'm being a bit loose tying these together, but the the essence is loan option, should we say. So at Spurs 3 thank you for your second question. He said, I love Bale and all, we all do. But if you were given the option to extend his loan next season, would you do it? So that's the first loan question. For, for those who can't see, for those who are listening, Sai just put his head down and rubbed his eyes and doesn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> and the second loan-related question is uh, from, at Can, uh, from at Canman, Canman D. He says, is Gedson Fernandez alive? <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh at that question. Um, Long story short, right now as it stands, we should send both of the acid back where they came from because they're not, they're not, they're not really doing too much. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm being deliberately uh, harsh with Bale because for all the fanfare and all of that stuff, like it has been highly disappointing. Like he looks a shadow of not only his former self but also the self of him that contributed in drabs towards the end of his uh, Madrid stint. So it is a little bit worrying, but as, as Owen aptly touched on earlier, it does look like he doesn't trust his body. Um, so we will give it time. But right now, as it stands, there's not a chance in hell that like us paying money to keep him on for another year, it doesn't seem very responsible. 
with Judson as well. Um, I think I saw someone tweet, um, and then the the official account responded asking for pictures of him in training. And um, there was a tongue in cheek photo posted where he was kind of blurred in the background. I was like, okay, this is, we're doing him quite dirty because to us, he's not a bad player. Um, but we we do have to cut the loan because I mean, even if we were to give him minutes. As if he, even if he performed really well, we're not going to pay the the permanent fee for him. So what is that? Fifty mil? It's 50 a mil. fifty million pounds. <laughs> Glasses, lads. Uh, it's 50. we're not we're not buying we're not buying what Benfica are selling. I think at the time we actually loaned him. Adele Tarapt was in the team ahead of him as well. Oh my god! So that's um, Tarapt is a baller though. He's a yeah, talented footballers I've ever seen. So. So yeah, I mean, I'll hopefully see him alive again in the Benfica shirt. I <laughs> just hope he can resurrect his career, and we haven't damaged him too much. Oh man, he's like he's like one of those. Um, you know, when you go to the supermarket really, really late, and they sell all the, <laughs> all the goods that have been been dropped on the floor and shit, mango cans and shit. That's where his stock is at the minute. That's a re- the reduced Fernando. No, I was just thinking that reduced label <laughs> slapped on label Fernandez, bro. He's so ass. He's terrible. Um, <laughs> with Bale, I think just because we don't, if we don't get a bang and right wing option and it still works financially for us to keep him around for another year because we, we can trigger that, that loan extension. And I personally wouldn't mind because it seem, he's, it, there seems to be good vibes now that Bale's there. Do you know what I'm saying? I think people are stepping up a bit Maybe it's more down. It could be down to the myth of Gareth Bale. It could be that training Bale is currently clear of match day Bale, and we're just waiting on that. So I think to to answer right now, would I extend it with the way we're going? And if we could afford it, yes. But if there's no like banging right wing option to come on to come into the club, then if there is a banging right wing option, sorry, then I would I would say thank you for the uh, for the memories, Bale. Uh, it, it would be time to cut but you know it, it's only December do you know what I mean there's time and uh, that's it on listeners questions cool uh, that was a that was a packed pod in terms of topics and, and things to touch on uh, we'll obviously be back um, just before Christmas with our next episode obviously that's going to be heavily congested as well in the meantime do follow us on the socials so on Twitter we are at Spurs underscore touchline and join the discord for the touchline media group as a whole um obviously as mentioned before we do make appearances every so often on the discord lives um so for the liverpool game we'll probably have some representation on there too mm-hmm. um as always guys yeah pleasure um obviously we'll we'll be in contact behind the scenes but on camera you do have to do the niceties so um <laughs> Speak to you guys soon and come on you Spurs. Have a good one, boy. Peace. Peace. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Mora. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has 
That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh yeah! Sports Social Podcast Network.